welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, on Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series, where I'll talk with sports editors from Georgia football's upcoming opponents. This week, I'll once again talk with the Daily Mississippian sports editor, Cameron Larkin, about Ole Miss's season thus far and preview its upcoming game against Georgia. Welcome back to another episode of the in-season preview podcast. Today, I brought Cameron Larkin back onto the show. Cameron, how you been doing, man? How, how, how's life been? I've been doing good. Class are going good. Obviously, football season is going good. I did just realize I'm pretty sure I wore this exact hat on the last one, so people are going to think I don't own any hats, but that's cool. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, you know. sometimes sometimes one good hat is better than, than no other good hat. So, you know what? Dress dress to impress, and that's, that's I think, the key thing to, to take away from this podcast. Yeah, at least it's a nicely colored hat with a good little logo on it, you know? At the very least, you know. Um, but, you know, some people watch the, some people will just listen to this anyway. So some people will not even know that you're wearing a hat. So and thanks to those people. You know? <laughs> but, you know, let's hop right into it. You know, Ole Miss, I mean, they're ranked 10th for a reason. It's been a really good season for them so far with one little blemish. So, Cam, go ahead and walk me through, you know, what has the season been like for Ole Miss so far? And, you know, walk me through the games, walk me through some of the highlights, the lowlights. It's, it's been a great season, um, obviously, compared to last season. At this point, this is basically where we fell off last season. Um, and we'll see if that happens, but I don't think it will. Um, it's been a really fun season, one of the more enjoyable seasons I've had as an Ole Miss fan. Obviously, 8-1, and one, it's not anything to kind of, you know, laugh about. Um, the Alabama game, you can't really ignore it. It's really sad what happened. Um it's a real dark spot on the season, but then again, the LSU game, it's the highest high I've ever experienced as an Ole Miss fan, just seeing the resolve that the team had through that game, and then obviously rushing the field. Uh, we're not supposed to do that, but we rushed the field, and it was great. It was, it was a really good experience. Um, as for everything else, um, it's been a really different season compared to last year. Um, we've been able to win a lot of games that we wouldn't have won last year, i.e. the Arkansas game, maybe even the Auburn game, especially the LSU game, like those are games we wouldn't have won with the ex- the lack of experience we had last year and the and the talent level, but this year we were able to other than the Alabama game, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but feel good uh, about where the team has been and, and what the team has done so far simply for the fact that, again, you're 8-1, you know? You're, you're ranked in the top 10 uh, across the AP poll and, you know, um, this is being recorded before the college football playoff poll uh, releases its updated list. But, I mean, at the very least, still, top 10 is not bad, especially when you're gaining enough attention that, you know, game day is coming to Athens for this game. So, you know, like, between everything, you, you got to be happy with how things have been playing out for Ole Miss this season, even though, you know, the Alabama loss does sting a little. Yeah, I mean, I this is about kind of where I expected us to be. Um, and, and I was one of the more optimistic Ole Miss fans on like the season outlook. I had us beating Bama, but losing to LSU. But no matter how it kind of ended up, we're right here. And it kind of all really leads up to the Georgia game this coming weekend. And I'm really excited to see exactly where this team, this program stands going up against, like again, the two-time defending national champions in Athens during a night game with, game, with college game day in town. Oh, absolutely. There's so many different things revolving around this game and that's what makes it so exciting but you just talked about expectations and I think one of the weirdest things for Ole Miss coming into the season 
was the expectations on the quarterback position because when you bring in two quarterbacks in the transfer portal uh, uh, to to compete with your your one-year starter at the position in Jackson Dart, you don't really know what's going to happen by the time you're at this game. But Jackson Dart took that job, and he has rolled through um, and has kept uh, guys like Spencer Sanders uh, at bay. So let's go and hop through it. You know, how has Jackson Dart played this year? You know, how? what's your breakdown? What's your thoughts? And, you know, even further on that, like, you know, has he kind of hit, exceeded, met uh, the expectations for him coming into the year? I think he's far and away exceeded the expectations of, of outside fans and even Ole Miss fans themselves. A lot of people were calling for Spencer Sanders to start in the offseason and going into the preseason just because Spencer started five million college football games and he has the experience. But like Jackson Dart came in, he kept his position, he he fought, he won over the locker room, he won over the coaches, obviously. And um, then it was just up to his production on the field. And you've seen it, the, the country's seen it. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC right now, bar maybe, not even maybe, Jaden Daniels is a freak of his own. But Jackson Dart has a conversation for being one of the better quarterbacks, not just in the SEC, but the country, just for his his development from year one in Oxford to year two. It's been something really special to watch how he's been able to build connections with all of his receivers um, Jordan Watkins specifically, Trey Harris, even though it's his first year here. Um, and then even with Quinshawn and then Ulysses Bentley, the whole offense is just kind of firing on all cylinders, and it all goes back to Jackson Dart's production from the quarterback position. Yeah, it just feels like Jackson has kind of reached another a level of confidence almost, where he, he's just finding his way through the offense. He's finding success. He's using his running ability to really stretch out plays. Jackson Darn has been a really impressive quarterback. And, you know, they're obviously Jalen Daniels has kind of been at the top of the SEC. But then you look at the other guys, you know, two, two of the top guys just played in Athens last week in Brady Cook and Carson Beck. And now Jackson Dart, who I would also say is in that group of, you know, really talented quarterbacks, also coming into uh, Athens and coming into Sanford. Um, so a lot of good quarterback play has been uh, in Athens so far this year. And I'm expecting the exact same thing. Uh, with Jackson Dart, but you just touched on the offense. If if you watched college football last year, you're very aware of who Quinchon Judkins is, and we talked about him a ton in the preseason. Um, not exactly the same amount of numbers um, as he had last year, but that's also because you know, guys like uh, Trey Harris, super involved in this offense and stuff like that. So walk me through, break these guys down. You know What makes either of these players special, but also guys like Watkins and Ulysses Bentley, what what about this offense is is special and unique, and what do they do really well? I mean, this you look at it. This offense just has guys all over the field, like wide receivers one through four, maybe even five going down into the bench. It's it's guys who could be wide receiver ones and twos at other universities. Um, they've all just kind of come together and accepted that for the offense to kind of work, there can't be a quote unquote number one guy. Like Quinshawn Judkins was bar maybe Blake Corm, the best running back in college football last year. And part of that was because Ulysses Bentley was hurt. But now this year, they've been able to kind of play off of each other. Like Quinn John's the power back, the, the if you need a first down, you go to him. But Ulysses has been the kind of quick on the edge, even a receiving back. And it's just been kind of a tandem that not a lot of teams have figured out how to stop. And then with the receivers, obviously, Trey Harris was new to town. He had he had the Mercer game where he popped off, broke almost every Ole Miss receiving record receiving record in the book, um, and he's just been 
technically wide receiver one, but then you have Jordan Watkins, who has a couple of 100-yard games. Dayton Wade, who used to be a walk-on, got a scholarship just recently, and he's been kind of popping off in, in recent games. He had that nice little one-handed catch against, I forgot who it was, maybe Arkansas. But it's just when this offense is firing on all cylinders, it's really, really special. Absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, you just you just can't be upset with how everyone's been playing. Even Caden, like, pre-scorn at tight end the position has been solid. Yeah, I mean, Caden's been Caden's been playing really well. I mean, that's a guy that's, you know, I mean, what, fourth on the team receiving? I mean, you can't complain about that at all, and I know he's still waiting for his first touchdown, but still, when you got a tight end, a fairly reliable tight end, it feels like it's been a little bit since Ole Miss has had a tight end that you can throw to a little bit, and it's so weird because Trey Harris feels like the team's number one, but yet you look at you look at um the the other guys around him, and it's just like he's he's third in receiving. You know, um between Wade and Watkins, both of those guys have more yards than him, or, or more receptions, I should say. But Trey's leading the way receptions wise. So even though Dayton Wade and, and Jordan Watkins, you know, are, are beating him out in, in catches, Trey Harris is still making an impact with the with the little catches he has, and then. You know, Quinshawn Judkins is absolutely leading the way with carries. But, you know, with a guy, it is one of those interesting things because, like, he is your every down almost back, the guy that you're you're running in between the tackles. And then you got a guy named Ulysses Bentley as your, as your, change, as your change of pace. Like, what a powerful name to be, like, a little, you know, shiftier guy. <laughs> He's um he's been a nice he, again he was injured a lot of last season so his production was a little down and obviously we had Zach Evans as well but he's really been the missing piece that we lost with Zach Evans he's kind of been able to be plugged in and he's just kind of brought new life new veteran leadership to to a locker room that really kind of needed it after last season's blunder. Yeah, I I would definitely agree to that because I think I think it's odd like. A lot of again, people just kind of think of Quinshawn Junkins, but no, for the past two seasons, Ole Miss's running game has been a two-headed punch. And you know, like Quinshawn led the way last year as he's doing this year, but like you can't discount Ulysses Bentley. Like that guy's also really talented. It's the same way that you couldn't discount Zach Evans. And you know, I think that's a prime thing for this offense. But again, you look at Jackson Dart, he's got more carries technically than Ulysses Bentley. You know, and he's 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 right in line with yards, more touch, more rushing touchdowns. So between the three of them, that's like a little three-headed uh, rushing attack. And I know, you know, we talked to Kirby Smart today um, as of recording this, and, you know, he talked about that Jackson Dart runs like a running back, and I would agree with him. He, he, he has that kind of running style. So that's absolutely something threatening especially for a Georgia team that has not handled the QB run very well this year. I mean, you look at the, the what when you think of rushing quarterbacks in the SC, you think of probably three people, Jaden Daniels, Jalen Milrow, and you slide Jackson Dart in third probably there. But I would say as a complete quarterback, um, I would say that Jaden Daniels and Jalen Milrow are more rushing first than pass, first, than pass first quarterbacks. I would say that Jackson Dart is like the perfect mix of someone who can light you up for like 350, but also run you on the ground for 130 he hit his career high in rushing yards this season um he's just been a really special leader um and it seems like the offense goes as he goes with like if if he needs to run the offense will run if if we need something through the air he's got it and the receivers kind of just trust him to do that yeah absolutely and even even you know taking 20 sacks and 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 stuff like that. He's still putting up great yards and stuff like that. And, and then even even with that to say, the old, the old Miss O-line has still been good. 
I mean, you got guys across that uh, across the line, uh, especially like right guard Jeremy James. I know it's been, been pretty solid for you guys this year. So it's a good group. It's a really good offense. But um, we'll go ahead and shift over to the defense, which is not as exciting, so to speak. Um, but I wouldn't call it bad either. And I think that's something that, you know, um, you can't say uh, for last year because um, Ole Miss's defense definitely struggled a lot last year. But this year, you know, I wouldn't say it's the best, but I also wouldn't say it's bad at all. I think it's it's perfectly nice. It's perfectly solid from my perspective. And you got a couple guys on there that are certainly making big-time plays for this team. So, you know, uh, Cam, go ahead and walk me through. Who are some of the, the notable guys on this team, and what is your view of the defense as a whole? I mean, you look at the defensive line, and it's got guys all, all, all over the field. Um where I, I think the statistic is like second only behind A&M and QB pressures. And then in the secondary, you got Trey Washington. He's hauled in 5,000 interceptions. John Saunders, it seems like he has an interception a game. This whole group is just, it's full of veteran leadership and transfer guys that have just been able to be plugged in. And I think something that has made it work is the new defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. Like him being new, having those veteran guys who have been able to kind of help him, but also bring in guys who are new with him. It's just been kind of a, a perfect storm, for lack of a better phrase, that has resulted in a defense that, if you ask Lane Kiffin, has probably won this team three or four games. Like, And that's something you can't say about last season. We, we lost games because of our defense. We had to win games because of our offense. And this season, you look at the Vanderbilt game, obviously I don't think Ole Miss was ever going to lose that game. But you, you, you might have heard Jackson Dart after the game. He said the offense played terrible. He gave all the credit to the defense who was able to kind of contain every single quarterback that Vanderbilt threw in there. Didn't know they had 50 of those things. But they, it, the defense has won games, the Arkansas game, the, the Auburn game. It's just been something. And even at times they look bad, but the LSU game, they got the stop when they needed it. And again, that's not something that would have probably happened last year. And with last year's defense, they probably would have lost two, three, maybe even all four of those games. Yeah, and I think, again um... – Trey Washington, one of the few non-transfers, non-seniors in this lineup, leading the way with 59 tackles, you know, like absolutely all over the field. He's, he's getting interceptions. He's forcing fumbles. He's recovering fumbles. This is a guy that's playing really, really good football uh, for, again, for a group that's full of, that's nearly entirely full of transfers and specifically senior transfers that, you know, are coming together to, to play some pretty good football. Like Trey Washington stands out. Cedric Johnson's been been something interesting to to keep an eye on, and I know he's not leading the stat sheet or anything, but he's a big. I think he's probably a big reason in why Ole Miss is doing well in that pressure rate category. Um, and then you know hasn't hasn't seen the the field too much, but occasionally Suntreen Perkins comes in there, and he, you know he he makes a few he makes a few like oh this guy's gonna be probably something. Um, it's a fun defense, and it's the first year of Pete Golding, so you're not expecting it to be perfect. You know you're not expecting him to work his magic right away especially with so many new guys but I mean really you look across you look at the stats are you can't be upset you know and I think that's the biggest thing is like you can't you can't march around and tell everybody we've got the best defense in the SEC but you but you can avoid those complications like you said that the defense isn't losing you football games anymore and that's such a big thing and it's part of the reason why at least in my opinion I'm curious to what you think like why Ole Miss has it has been in the top ten? Why they only have one loss this year, and why they've actually had some success is the fact that the defense is not something that you have to necessarily worry about. Yeah, I think, and obviously Ole Miss doesn't have like the most impressive 
like score wise wins. Like the the Arkansas game was close. At Auburn was close. Um, even Vanderbilt was too close for a Vanderbilt game. And you see that, and you're like, oh, why are they ranked ahead of this team? This, that, and the third. But then when you when you think like probably the AP voters think they're winning games. You can only beat the opponent that you're playing, and you can only all you have to do is win by one, right? And so that's they've seen Ole Miss do that, and they've seen the ways in which they've done that. They've won in a shootout. They've won in a defensive stand. They've won on the road. They've won at home at 11 a.m. against Texas A&M. It's like they've done the things that weren't a top 10 ranking, and it's just they've been able to be consistent with it, unlike last season, and I think that's why they're getting the respect of AP voters and the college football playoff committee. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, not, no, nothing much to add there. I think I completely agree. It's 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 the overall performance. It's it's everything coming together to really be a successful team that is making everything come together. And I think that's the biggest thing um, is that it's everything's working together. And it feels like that just wasn't the case last year. Um, that that the defense just wasn't there, and then the offense just kind of faltered. But right now, everything's working together, and it's a well-oiled machine. Um, but in that machine, you know, there's obviously plenty of different cogs and, and sometimes, you know, specifically, at least when you're looking at a football team machine, you, you find a favorite cog in there. You find someone that you really enjoy, whether just watching or whether it's covering or anything like that. So I'm going to ask you who on this football team have you just thoroughly enjoyed, whether it's getting to talk to watch, play on the field, cover, write about anything like that. Who's your favorite so far this year? If you had to choose, you you know, had to choose one. I read this question, and um, two people immediately sprang to mind. It's obviously Jackson Dart, the catalyst for everything. And then Trey Harris, who God knows why he's not at LSU right now. I don't know how LSU let him go to Louisiana Tech in the first place, but then transfer out and not end up in Baton Rouge. So for that reason, because I hate LSU, I'm going to go with Trey Harris just to make him a little mad. But he's just like... You look at, obviously, what Ole Miss did in the offseason, and, and bear with me for a second, what they did with the quarterbacks and all the NIL money that they probably threw out to them, Walker Howard, and then obviously Spencer Sanders, and that was a big reason why Ole Miss didn't get Keon Coleman, who obviously went to Florida State, and there was a lot of discourse among fans, and it's like, well, why did we do this? Why do we do that? Um, and then you look at what Trey Harris has been able to do. The stats are very comparable, and even somewhat in favor of Trey Harris. So P- Keon Coleman is regarded as one of the best receivers in the country. And, and Trey Harris, quite frankly, doesn't get the national coverage that he deserves. Like the things that he does on the field, NFL caliber. You, I don't know if you watched the A&M game, but he had one catch, one one-handed catch that counted for like 30 yards. And it was probably the catch of the year. And then another one didn't count, but it was insane. This man just does football things that, that not a lot of people can do. And bar Keon Coleman, honestly. Like, it's it's those two, a couple receivers here and there, but Trey Harris is, is aside from Jordan Watkins, who's been with Dart last year, is the go-to guy on this offense. We need a first down. We need a it, – it's kind of like when Tyreek Hill was with the Chiefs and it was like, screw it, Tyreek's down there somewhere. It's like Jackson Hart's like, Trey Harris got to be down there somewhere. And it's just been really – fun to watch him on the field really fun to cover him in the post game in the pregame he's an, he's an interesting guy and he's just kind of very Ole Miss and he's it's been a great fit so far no I, I completely agree and, and you don't get that many 6'2 guys playing at the well that the way that he is because 
it, 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 you're right. I think it is NFL level. And I think that's, you know, and, and it's probably a little bittersweet to know that, like, you know, he's he's leaving after just one year with Ole Miss. But at the very least, you get to get that one year with him and, and get a full year of him playing at such a high level with a guy like Jackson Dart. I mean, yeah, you have to be happy about that at the very least. Yeah, you look at it and you're like, you got to hope and pray that there's some sort of NCAA rule that lets him come back for, for another year. Because, I mean, he's probably the best offensive play- offensive playmaker that we have I mean and that's saying a lot with obviously the running back group we have the other receivers the tight end Jackson Dart um but somehow he stands out to to the naked eye to the fans I mean he he's just really really good at football for lack of a better better phrase yeah no absolutely um and and you know we'll have to pivot we're going to pivot to the next question which I have which you know, last week was difficult as I, I talked to uh, to Missouri last week and uh, and and Quentin, uh, Quentin Corpuel and you know he had a hard time picking someone that was disappointing just because of how good Missouri's been this year and you know and I'm sure you're going to be facing a, a similar task considering how well that Ole Miss has done this year, um, unlike you know the South Carolinas and the Auburns and stuff like that who've had plenty of players to talk about uh, and and somewhat disappointing seasons. But again. Who is a player that, despite this team overachieving and, and playing really, really well, you know, who's a player that has maybe fallen a bit short of the expectations that you had for them coming into the year? I don't think it's necessarily one singular player. I, I think it's the offensive line unit just kind of as a whole. Last year, it won like 15 awards for being the best offensive line in the country, got second to Michigan in some, but... It was, it was a real strength for Ole Miss, and it was why Quinchon was able to, to do what he did last season. And we talked about it in the preseason. The offensive line was going to be a big reason why this team either succeeded or failed. And I honestly was kind of wrong with that because the offensive line kind of stands out as the unit that's been kind of lesser than all of them, but still good. And it's been improving each game. Like, you look at the box score for, for Quinchon and for Ulysses Bentley, throughout the season, like their numbers have just increased week after week after week. And it, it's been really confusing, honestly, because we only lost one offensive lineman to the draft. And so to start the season, it was a little disappointing to see how many times, and you mentioned it, 20 sacks that Jackson Dart's taken, um, and just how many times he's been pressured and been forced to run. Obviously, he's been successful doing so but you would like your star quarterback to kind of be more comfortable in the pocket. And, th- and that starts with the offensive line being able to, to pass block. The run block, again, has kind of progressed as the season's gone on. You've seen the box score, but just creating less situations where Jackson Dart has to improvise and has time to go through his reads, that's where I would say there's more to be desired. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. And again, that 20-sack number is just rough. Um, for a team that, you know, played so well together last year and, and a unit that played so well together last year and, again, has pieces. Like, I don't think that the entirety of the O-line is, is terrible. Again, again, Jeremy James isn't the worst player. He, he, he stands out a little bit, and he's a, he's a solid player. And But really, just the, the whole group has just not been able to come together in the way that you want them to. And as such, it's just, you know, it's it's limited a few things. It's limited guys like Quenchon from you know, being at a thousand yards already, you know, or, or, or Jackson, you know, from having even like having like 500 rushing yards in a season, you know, I think, I think those small things, again, even though that it's, it's not as big as you would think and, and, and they've still prevailed aside from that, it's still not the most fun thing to have a, a, an offensive line allowing 20 sacks on your quarterback. But 
With all that said, we've talked enough about just Ole Miss, so let's hop right into this matchup. It's a big one. Number one, number two, depending on where you're looking, versus number 10 Ole Miss. What do you think of this matchup? How do these two teams really match up, and, and how what are you expecting uh, from this game? I, you know, obviously, again, we talked about it preseason. I, I mark this game on my calendar as an automatic loss because you look at two-time national champion, you look at who they brought back, they have the best player in the country who, again, Brock Bowers might not play. I don't know the update on that, but preseason it looked like it was, it was an easy loss for Ole Miss. You didn't know how they were going to, play the rest of the season, but I, I as an Ole Miss fan and Ole Miss fans in general are, have never honestly been more confident in, in a sliver of a chance to beat Georgia. I, the, the matchup is a lot more interesting as we've gotten to this week than, than it would have been in week one where Georgia would have probably throttled Ole Miss, but I think the progression that Ole Miss has seen throughout the season and the sort of struggles that Georgia's had this season, kind of unexpected um, and I don't know exactly what you think the, the, the small struggles have been, but just to see Georgia look not unstoppable, again, for lack of a better phrase, is, is kind of encouraging for Ole Miss fans. And I, I'm assuming for the Ole Miss team to just watch film and, and pick up things from Missouri, who was able to kind of dominate the Georgia offensive line. And then you look at the, the Auburn game, you can pick up things that they did in Jordan Air to kind of just look at film to see what Ole Miss can do to beat Georgia. And there's more things that Ole Miss can do to, to kind of create an upset than there would have been last season. Yeah, I, I think, and I think you're right on the money, Georgia's not unbeatable. And I don't think, you know, and, and that's not like saying that Georgia was never unbeatable, you know, in its past two national championship seasons. It definitely was. Missouri can tell you that last year. Um, but you know, it's not as daunting of a foe of a, of a Georgia team that's blowing out teams like Oregon, um, you know, at the very beginning of the year and stuff like that. They're not doing that this year. And not that they don't have that potential. You know, they, they, they beat down Kentucky pretty badly at, at one point during the season. But, you know, it's it's definitely a team that can be exposed and has moments of, of laps where the offensive line isn't on point, where maybe one of their corners isn't able to, to shut down a guy that you want. Um, and stuff like that. But on the other side, you know, it's still a very good team. Carson Beck is playing really, really well. Um, you know, Dejon Edwards is, is a pretty solid back still. You know, um, Ladd McConkey still a good receiver. Um, so it's like, I can't say that this team is bad um, by any means. If if they were, yeah, if they were bad, they would they would have a couple losses. Um, but they're definitely they're definitely beatable. But I'm not entirely sure if this will be the game to do it, especially in Athens, but we'll save that as before we even get to even score predictions or anything like that, I want to pitch it over to you and ask just your overall opinion of Georgia. I gave mine a little bit there, but what do you think of this team? You talked about that you think they, they are beatable, that there are things to expose, but overall, what what do you think this team does well, Does could do better? Yeah, I'll pitch it over to you now. They, yeah, they are beatable, but... In my humble and mind you, I'm from Gwinnett County, Georgia opinion, they're still the best team in the country. I don't the like I I watched the college football playoff committee rank Ohio State number one and I was like, okay. And then the Notre Dame Clemson game happened this season. Notre Dame is Ohio State's best win. And you look at that and it's like, 
well, okay. But I think Georgia is still the favorite to win the national championship. I think they're the most complete team in the country. Just from top to bottom, they got stars all over the field. Carson Beck, although he looked uncomfortable, and it was partly the offensive line against Missouri, he he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country and probably a top 10 Heisman finisher, if I had to guess. Um, yeah, just I I have Georgia roots, and it, it, I was baffled to see them not ranked number one in the CFP. I'm glad that the AP voters still give them the, the credit that they deserve, but um, they're just, again, two-time national champion. You, you can't discredit them until they lose, and it's, it's like, I saw this on Instagram, like, one of the biggest compliments in college football is that Georgia wakes up to play you. Like, Kentucky was ranked, they were ranked, right, and, and um, Georgia went in, went in and decimated them. They woke up for Kentucky. Georgia woke up for Missouri after after a lot of people kind of picked them to upset, be upset. And so I'm assuming that Georgia's going to wake up for Ole Miss. And you look at that, it's a night game in Athens, the best one of the best atmospheres in college football. And you look at it like Ole Miss has a chance, but do they really, just because of the atmosphere and everything that kind of stacks up against them, Georgia being just so freaking good at football, um, they they have the edge coaching wise. They have the edge, I think, coordinators wise. And if I had to break it down, I would probably say that Georgia wins this game, but I, it leaves the door open for Ole Miss to maybe upset Georgia. And I, I would agree with you there. Um, it, again, it feels very like the Missouri game last week, where there's absolutely a chance because Georgia's playing a very good team. But you're right. I think when they do wake up and they and they do really like go after it you see just crazy results from the Kentucky game to the Florida game. You know, there's moments where Georgia just kind of rolls and there's a chance of that, but there's also a chance of Ole Miss hanging on, fighting hard and and playing a really, really good football game. And ultimately, I think this game, just like the previous games, is going to be close. It's going to be fun. And I'm excited to to watch it and cover it, uh, especially in Athens uh, in a scenario and in in an atmosphere that it'll be. But... Let's get over to you. Let's get a score prediction. Who wins? Who loses? And then, you know, based on that prediction, you know, where does Ole Miss and and, and Georgia kind of go from here after this game? So I kind of want to give two predictions because I'm not too set on really anything. If Let's say if this is a defensive battle and it's low scoring, I personally think Georgia wins. If it's more like the Missouri game where it's like 30s to 20s something – I think Georgia can win, and, and with that final score, I think it would be probably Georgia 34, Ole Miss maybe 21. If it's a shootout, like a straight-up shootout, I trust Ole Miss's offense more than Georgia's. You might disagree. I, I think Ole Miss's offense is one of the more potent, kind of complete offenses in the country, and so if it's a shootout, I think Ole Miss wins in the realm of like 45 to 42, and it's it, – I don't want to kind of commit to one or the other, but I'm more confident in Georgia winning than Ole Miss winning. But again, leaving the door open for a take where Ole Miss wins and I was right. So <laughs> as far as where they go from here, obviously if Georgia wins, um, they, they just beat number 12 Missouri. I'm assuming that Ole Miss is going to be nine in the new CFP rankings after Oklahoma loss. So it's it's number two being number nine. And at that point, I think you can put Georgia number one, and I think, I mean, they go on to play Tennessee the next week, which is might be an even tougher game in Neyland, but 
Georgia has a path to just kind of make the playoffs again, obviously, and, and be one of the top teams ranked in the playoffs. But as for if Ole Miss wins, it's a slippery slope because of that Alabama loss. I don't know how far Georgia goes back, um, and I don't know how far Ole Miss rises. I don't know how much respect they get with that Alabama loss because you look at it, it's like Ole Miss loses to Bama and they beat Georgia. Can, can you put Ole Miss ahead of Bama? It's like, does that make sense? And so where you go from there, it, it'll depend on how much respect the, the committee has for Ole Miss and how, they, how and if they beat Georgia, where they'll put them. Yeah, I think it's it's really weird and it's very interesting how everything could play out because if Ole Miss wins, that disrupts all the, the kind of everything that you're expecting because, you know, Alabama still has that win over them. But, you know, if Ole Miss wins and whatever might happen in the Iron Bowl and, and who's to say it's in Auburn this year, you know, Ole Miss is in prime position to represent the SEC West. And, you know, I mean, it, I mean at the same time, it's like, you know, it's it's a weird scenario and it's a weird game. But it should be a great one. Um, I personally am leaning towards a, a, about a score of 42-27 with a Georgia win. I think it's absolutely respectable. Um, because, again, I just like – it's still a very good Georgia defense. It's still a very good, good secondary. It's still a good run-stopping unit. You know, like I, – but I still think the Ole Miss offense is really good. And I still think they're going to they're gonna hold their own. And either way, I think it's going to be a good game. And I'm excited for it all the way through, um, especially whatever the outcome is, because this game this game determines so much for both of these teams. If Georgia wins, they win the SEC East. If Missouri, if uh, Ole Miss wins, they you know they got a shot at the West, you know, or or the bare minimum, a very slim one. But it, but they've also got a a a shot at uh you know they got a shot at the playoffs if they beat a, a team like Georgia. So. We'll see. But either way, Cam, dude, thank you so much for joining me. This was an absolute pleasure to break down this game. And and as we close it out, I wanted to give you the opportunity. Tell everyone where they can find you, find your stuff. And, uh, yeah, let's close this one out. Yeah, of course. You can find any Ole Miss sports stuff, football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport you want to find under the sun on the thedmonline.com. It's our newspaper website. You can find anything there. We, got, we actually have a um, Road Rebs Guide to Athens, Georgia coming out. I want to know what you think about that. We got some, it'll be some information about like spots to go in, in Athens. I want to know what you think about that. Uh, we got the preview coming out. Um, we have a Georgia roster breakdown where we talked about kind of the five key players that we think would give Ole Miss headaches. And then, and then I'll have an article kind of similar to this podcast. We call it Around the SEC. Y'all call it Behind Enemy Lines. It'll be kind of very similar to, to this podcast, but in an article form. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to do that and help out with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what, the, what the hit spots in Athens are going to be that you guys pick because, you know, there's, there's some pretty good places here. I remember when, uh, uh, when the Kentucky Colonel guys uh, showed up, you know, I had to point them in a, in a, good, in a good direction for, for where to eat and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll definitely be interested in seeing what you, get, what you got there. But either way, Cam, Thank you so much, man. It was an absolute pleasure for uh, you to join me. Yeah, thanks for having me.